You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I think there's a game today. I, I don't know. They just It's, it's kind of funny because it seems like every 15 minutes somebody sends out a tweet, game is on as scheduled, which in any other circumstance would be really odd and annoying. Like, yeah, I, yeah, dude, I know, there's a game, noon, Sunday, I know, why? But when um, the 49ers basically don't have a team to field and the Packers um, got COVID protocols and whatnot, and then the day before you find out the 49ers are, you know, getting positive COVID tests, I feel like everybody is sitting around just saying, so no game, right? Including the Ian Rappaports of the world, who are apparently asking every 15 minutes. So is there a game going on? Yeah, dude, there's a game. I gotta tweet that. That's crazy. 15 minutes later, yo, what's up with this game? There's a game. I told you 19 times. I gotta tweet that out, dude. Guys, guess what? It said there's a game. And we all act shocked. Like, what? Still? I thought for sure they changed their mind. I'm still trying to decide if I should take off work tomorrow. So I don't have to be in the same situation I was for the election, where I got no sleep and I'm miserable and dying. Slowly. But actively. Actively dying, not that I'm being active. I'm not being active. I don't want you to get the misconception that I'm healthy or anything like that. I take walks. So anyways, we're going to talk about uh, the 49ers game as though there's a game today. By the way, if the NFL is planning on canceling this last minute for some kind of like WWE like shocking effect, I know I'm stuck on wrestling just leave me alone but you know what i mean we're like this is this dramatic dude you're not gonna catch us off guard that's not gonna happen this year no sorry there's nothing the nfl could do very few things the nfl could do where we'd be like whoa 
In a million years, I never thought... No, we did think, and we thought it would be this year. We're shocked when crazy stuff doesn't happen. That's why we ask you every 15 minutes if you're going to cancel this game, because we just assume, yeah, you're going to cancel it. Although, stupid us, we assume that it's going to happen at an appropriate time. Not like five minutes before, they're like, ah, nah, nah, mm. Just, let's cancel. Just fly home. Just fly home. Speaking of, by the way, I, ha- I had one other thought about the whole trade deadline thing, and Will Fuller, not Kyle Fuller, excuse me. Sorry, I suck at doing podcasts just like you suck at being a parent because you call your kids different names. Don't mess with me. Jim, I mean, Steve, uh, whatever your name is, you know you do it. I think I'm going to apologize. I called my newborn baby my three-year-old daughter's name for the first month of her life. It's still 50-50. I don't care. <laughs> Anyways, I had another thought. Pushing all your chips in in 2020 is one heck of a bold strategy, man. It really is. I mean, I get that Gutekunst was trying, but there had to be a little voice in the back of his mind just, just not even saying anything. I know he's a voice, so I don't know how, how much a glare does when you're just a voice, but I feel like it was glaring right at him. Just, you know, dude. Again, not saying it. Picture the face now. Dude. Are you, are you serious right now? You're going chips all the way in in 2020 that's like getting a 7-2 and you stay in the hand because everybody else looks weak and then a 7 comes on the flop and you're like dude i think i'm pushing them in don't do it get away from your hand run away I'm not saying we're gonna we should tank the season I'm, I'm just saying i don't know if this is the best all in year i mean if you're feeling strong cool Hang on to your chips, wait until the next hand. If you want to go in on, like, you know, a pair of fives, you know, sure, fine. Feeling strong, great. Not not with this hand. I'm just saying. If you happen to win the hand with a 7-2, great, but don't push your chips in. Please don't do it. Just a random thought. And don't, you know, I mean, y- come on. Again, you know I'm right. <sighs> How is it 4.22? I swear, dude. I started at 4 o'clock. Four minutes have gone by in this podcast, and it's 4.22. I don't understand. But yet, I'm at work for 40 hours a day. Life is a trip, man. I swear, if I ever get to quit my job and do this podcast full-time, my days are going to fly by in seven minutes. Because my life is going to be awesome, and life won't let me enjoy it. No chance of that happening. Oh, you like your life? Go to bed. It's bedtime. That's fine. I still want it. Speaking of, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. Um, I have not talked to Coton about this, but he basically wrote me a blank check. And so here's what I think I'm going to do. I've been trying to think of ways to give back to my patrons, and I think that this would be an ideal way to do so. What I would like to do for my patrons is um, I had the pleasure of a one-on-one film session with Coton yesterday. Instantly turned my brain into mush because it's way over my head. But I learned way more uh, than I have in a very long time just with a simple, I don't know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. What I would like to do is allow the patrons to jump in on uh, some one-on-one film sessions with Coach Hahn. Now, because I have so many patrons, it wouldn't be right to have 160-some-odd people in a Zoom session. So I'm going to say if you are Charles Woodson or above, the tier $10 or above, you'll be able to jump in on that. That looks like 
right around 20 people. So that's a decent, I feel like that's a decent number, assuming, you know, maybe less than half of those people even show up. So that'll be the thing. That'll be one of the bonuses. That'll be one of the tiers. Finally, have something to give away. If you jump in on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. And, you know, I mean, he right now he says he's basically doing this every night. So maybe we can split up the nights or something. I don't know if it gets too overwhelming, too many people in one Zoom. We'll figure it out. But as of right now, if you are in the $10 a month tier, Charles Woodson or above, um, we will set up a uh, little film session, a little private, I mean, not one-on-one, but you know what I mean. You guys will be able to ask him questions or whatever, and he'll go over some stuff. So, Coach, I hope you're okay with that. <laughs> it just just kind of dawned on me, and I want to get it out there. And again, if you want to get in on that, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore dad If you don't know what the Coach Hahn videos are, check out the Facebook page or my YouTube channel. I've been putting up his videos on there. He does a lot of deep dives on, I mean, I say deep dives, but I mean, anybody can do, I, I do deep dives on stupid stuff. This is from somebody who knows how like schemes work and like on a really detailed level. It's pretty cool stuff. So be on the lookout for that because what I'll probably do is he'll give me a Zoom link. I will make a post in Patreon that only people in the uh, Charles Woodson or Aaron Rodgers tiers will be able to see. So you just go there, click the link, and boom, you're in. But anyways, obviously this is going to be a pretty weird game. Um, One of the things I mentioned I like to do again is to look at when a team wins and loses, but it's such a weird game. But I'll, I'll give it to you anyways because I think it still gives a little bit the identity of the team. For example, if I told you the Packers haven't won a single game in which they've scored less than 30 points, would you say that's still somewhat the identity of the team despite all the injuries? I would say it kind of is. That is to say, heavily offensively dependent at this point in time, yes, I would say so. So interestingly enough, the 49ers are kind of similar to, almost identical to, where the Packers were last year, and that is they're at that magic number of 24. Please, please, sir, kind sir, shuddy. That is to say, they are winless when they do not get to 24 points, and they are undefeated when the defense can keep teams under 24 points. Something weird about 24, man. It's so crazy. that Because I remember, it was the Packers were perfectly at 24 last year, and a lot of other teams were right around that 24 mark. Something weird about 24, man. Also worth noting, this is clearly not the same 49ers team as it was last year. Not to say we shouldn't at all be afraid of them. They still have a similar identity and DNA, and um, for that reason... I mean, look, when you get beat that bad, as we did twice last year, it's not just simply a talent thing, it's a matchup thing. And I don't necessarily mean matchup in terms of the players, although that's a part of it, but in terms of the scheme. And when the way they play football, is that devastating to the way you play football, or at least their execution of the way they play football compared to your way of playing football? Some of that isn't going to change because the players got worse. It's going to make the execution harder, In other words, their ability to actually execute that scheme that's so devastating to you. But at the end of the day, if you can't stop it, that's a problem. Kind of the exact inverse of what I talked about. I guess it doesn't have to be the inverse, but perfect example of what I'm talking about is the Minnesota Vikings. I talked about how there was a certain way of playing football, and if you want more information about that, Coach Hahn talks a little bit about the, the playbook that essentially has been uncovered to stop the Green Bay Packers in one of his videos. I don't know. I'm a couple videos behind. i got to get posting today. I won't mess around with Patreon this time around because I've already got a Patreon bonus coming for you. Plus, I'm already late, so I'll just throw these things up on social media and whatnot. 
But anyways, if you look at that, you would say, okay, there's a playbook for how to stop the Packers' offense. However, they don't have anybody on defense, so they shouldn't be able to execute it, except they did. Now, I want to quickly throw in a uh, comment I got on Patreon from Eamon. Eamon? Eamon? I'll go with Eamon. But he, he kind of just laid out that he thinks the wind was a much bigger factor. I think that's actually fair, as much as it sounds kind of like a lame excuse. It is, in a way, another defender, because you have to chop up a big part of your playbook, and that makes it easier to defend another team, although, unless you're the Minnesota Vikings. But then again, when your playbook is, let's just not throw the ball because it's too windy and run the ball and we can't stop the run, and that's essentially both teams look at it that way. I mean, look, I don't want to give the Packers an out on last week, but if you just simplify it to that point, look at it and say, if you try to throw, you're not going to be successful, so both teams have to run consequently both teams know that the other team is just going to run so the defenses have to stop the run the vikings were able to stop it the packers are not you can kind of just you can kind of just put a period at the end of that and there you go somebody posted on social media a, a video of i think it was dusty i'm not entirely sure but just throwing i i think it was a something like a little wide receiver screen or something and the ball just absolutely at the end just nosedived into the ground like the wind just caught it and just buried it in the dirt to where what was a decently thrown ball became low and away to where the receiver had to like crouch down grab it spin and there was just nowhere to go so what could have been a decent play for a decent gain didn't go anywhere and if you're the head coach offensive coordinator quarterback etc etc watching this you have to just keep thinking man we got to just we got to stop we got to stop throwing the football. None of this makes any sense. It's not working. The balls are sailing. You know, it's just... So, again, I'm going off on a tangent, but the more I thought about it, when I first saw his comment about, well, the wind, whatever, I was like, yeah, that's kind of a lame excuse. But again, as I thought about it, it, it really does make sense, especially when you've got a defense that's trying to execute a certain scheme to take things away, and then you have wind as basically another defender to carve up a bunch of the playbook so that you know you don't have to defend this that or the other thing so the the field essentially becomes condensed and the whole field kind of feels like goal line even when you're on your own 20 yard line you're kind of just playing goal line just a thought <laughs> i think the next time i come out with a t-shirt and i'm really slacking on the t-shirts i, I miss doing that i like the t-shirts but the next time i come out with one it, it's just gonna say i don't know how i got here it's nice because it works for a lot of different situations. It's not even that te- technically a football shirt, but I feel like I say that every day on this podcast, and it's true. I get done with a thought, feel good about that thought, and then I stand up and go, why was I talking about this? Because I know a while ago I was talking about the 49ers and 24 points, and then that's it. That's all I remember. And then I blacked out, and now I'm here. It's a wild ride, man. Also, since we're super random right now, I think I just figured out a way to make this work, and I figured out another way to give something away that I think would be kind of cool. I'll, 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 I'll think on it for a minute more, but I had mentioned about uh, how I'm now transcribing my episodes, and I think it would be kind of a cool giveaway to be able to search my episodes and whatnot. I think I figured out a way to make it work as a website, and I'll just give you a password and a, you know, login. You can make this work. You can make this work. But again, Patreon. That's where that's going to be. That's where you're going to sign up for that. Not sure what tier yet. I hate to do 10 again, but kind of want to. Again, we'll think about it. So why don't we look at specifically what the issues are um, for the San Francisco 49ers. We already talked about the Packers. There's no new news on that as far as I know. 
Although there is, uh, I, actually, that's not true. Um, Aaron Jones, I don't want to say it's likely he plays, but it's kind of looking like there's a good possibility, which is going to be huge. Um, man, do I want to talk about that already? Let me just say this, even though this should be something you say at the end. If Aaron Jones and Alan Lazard are both playing, I think we win this game walking away. Now, there are some nuances here, and there are some things that make me worried, primarily from what Coach Han told me yesterday in my private Zoom thing, which I will tell you not only because it's great information, but to entice you to get in on Patreon so you can get in on these awesome Zoom sessions. But I really think that's going to help for two reasons. Man, now I'm getting excited. Now, I'm, Coach, you got to call the Packers and tell them about your plan, because this they can execute this. With, these, with Alan Lazard playing that sort of tight end role you're talking about, because we know he can block, I don't know if you can pull that off coming from the slot or not, but I feel like you can. Sorry I'm having a private conversation with somebody that's not even listening to me, but I'm just I'm thinking out loud and I'm literally getting chills, getting excited thinking about this. And Aaron Jones playing. Oh. But here's let let me uh I guess I'll tell you essentially what the thought was. The 49ers and 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 I've talked about this on my podcast several times about how everything evolves over time. Right? The the Offenses evolve to figure out how to beat modern defenses, and then the defense's job is to evolve to be able to stop how or figure out how to stop modern offenses, and they just keep evolving back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And the interesting thing about that is, if any team were to decide to just revert back to 1990s football, they'd have a pretty good chance. I'm sure there'd be some weaknesses and whatnot, but they'd have a pretty good chance of beating the NFL defenses as they are. Again, some of that stuff probably would be not great, but but certain things. Because not only is the scheme changing, but the personnel is changing. And one of the things that we've gone so far down the path of is zone running. Inside zone, which Mike McCarthy ran, or outside zone, like uh, Shanahan, LaFleur, and these guys all run. There's a lot of zone running in the NFL right now. I'm not going to even pretend to know who does what. As far as I know, every team runs at least somewhat of it. I don't know as far as you know how much of this out of the other. I don't know if anybody even tracks that. But... As a result, as you would expect, NFL defenses are evolving to stop the zone, the zone running. And part of that is what we're seeing with these super athletic linebackers, right? I keep talking about how we, man, I really wish we were just getting this smash mouth. I always like the guys in college that are just great tacklers. They take on a blocker, hat on a hat, and just smack into a guy, shove him out of the way, and make a tackle. That's because I like the throwback linebackers back in the 90s when everybody played power. Because in power, they got somebody coming through a hole that's going to smack you right in the mouth. And you want a linebacker that's going to say, bring it on, big boy. He's going to meet him in the hole, knock him on his back, and then take the running back down. But with this, as, as I talked about, and as if you watched uh, Coach Hahn's video a while ago, talking about Mike Pettin's defense, which is very similar to every other defense. The problem is we just don't have super elite linebackers like a lot of other guys, so we don't see this work super well. But the, the idea behind it, is to have one guy, I identify as, I'm probably sounding like an idiot, but I identify as the weak side linebacker, and the weak side linebacker's job is to just flow. He is to be unblocked. His job is to run as fast as he can to take out a guy who is running. On, so you got, you got an unblocked running back and an unblocked linebacker, and they, they, you know it's just who wins. And their job is to just run around and do all this other stuff. And so the, what the 49ers have and what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have are these really athletic, really talented linebackers that are for the most part, unblocked. They operate in a lot of space. And one of the things we looked at yesterday was even when you try to bring a linebacker, 
the line, or excuse me, bring a blocker on the linebacker. These guys are way too athletic, right? So you bring an offensive lineman who tries to meet this guy in the open field, and he just he just jumps out of the way, like, dude, get out of here, fatty. And then he runs around him and makes a tackle. So it's really really hard to try to to work in space against these kinds of linebackers. One of the ways that you can beat teams like the 49ers, one of the weaknesses that they have, is to play power. That is to say, and I know your first thought is probably similar to my first thought, too bad we don't have Jamal and A.J. Dillon, that's not what we're talking about. Although we are talking about smash-mouth football, and and it would be nice to have smash-mouth running backs in a smash-mouth football-type scheme, but all we're really talking about is loading up our offensive linemen as well as, you know, a fullback, tight ends, whatever, and getting these guys involved to forcing open holes and then running a blocker through that hole and pushing. It's just pushing people out of the way so that, similar to what defenses do with unblocked guys, we want to push everybody out of the way so that our guys can run right through. And interestingly enough, a lot of the time what you want are sort of smaller, shiftier guys like Aaron Jones, like Tyler Irvin, to be able to do that because as we've seen with guys like Le'Veon Bell and whatnot, some of, the, some of the time what they do is they're so small and they get small in these spaces so that defenders are trying to find them and then they pop out and they fly. You want tiny, shifty, slip through the hole and fly through it. Not to say you can't run a, a big, powerful back through there. Obviously you can. Adrian Peterson was a beast. He worked in a power scheme and just dominated. But it, it just so happened not only would he knock your head off, he was really fast. And he would blow through a hole right quick, decisive, see the hole, run through it. But having a guy like Aaron Jones is ideal because that's kind of what he does. He sees the hole. He's very decisive. He's real quick. right? He's not 4-4 he's not four, four fast, but he's, he's really quick. I just think he can operate in that kind of a scheme if that's what they decide to do. Because the fact of the matter is I don't think running what they typically run, which is an outside zone type of scheme, is going to work very well because this defense is built for it and they execute against it really really well they know what they're doing from the defensive coordinator to the players to especially the linebackers the defensive ends I mentioned yesterday are very talented they're gonna hold that edge and so if you look at if you want to look at for yourself one of the the games that coach coach brought up yesterday was the Patriots the Patriots switched I don't know what they you know how often they typically run water you know whatever but they switched to a predominantly power scheme, and they ran all over the 49ers. Because, again, they're not built for that. And the more you extend in one direction, as the 49ers clearly have, they've sold out entirely on, on running that style of defense to shut down that style of offense, which is predominant throughout the NFL. But the more you extend into that, the more weak you become against its, its opposite. I was trying to think of a better word, but I blanked. And so the other thought that I had is, one of the things that was problematic was with power a lot of times, especially with Warner-style linebackers, these really quick athletic guys, is finding a blocker that's going to be able to, to knock him out of the way. And a lot of times, some of the best ways to do that is as he's kind of just lined up waiting in the hole to bring a peel a tight end off the side and just, you know, smack into him. And you don't really need to get too cute, especially if you got a, a quick and athletic and talented running back who knows what to do. You just need to make sure to get in his way. Right, just pop him right in the chest, blow him out of the way, let Aaron Jones handle the rest. I think Alan Lazard, maybe not the perfect person for it, I think he might be good enough, especially since you're not expecting it coming off the side. You get a big body guy like that coming across, especially if he's got a, a, a corner coming with him, you might bring an extra blocker inadvertently. You and the and the cornerback come flying at the linebacker, just oops. Maybe that's not, I don't, I don't know, maybe that wouldn't work because then you're bringing another defender who can make a tackle. Maybe, maybe you don't want it, I don't know. 
it's a coach question. Obviously, you could bring him in line, but at that point, why not just use Mercedes Lewis? Either way, um, Alan Lazard helps us to play more of a, a power run blocking type of game. He's probably better suited for outside zone because he's on the outside and you want a blocker on the outside, but whatever. It makes me feel good when you say we're going to smash people in the mouth with the run game a lot and Alan Lazard's on the field. Okay, schematically, I don't know how it helps, but I like it. It makes me happy. Um, another thing he talked about is how this this style of defense is a little bit susceptible to capped, uncapped, which really is, and, and I haven't posted that video yet. I will get it up. I haven't even watched it yet, but, but the basic... Let me just put it this way, because I, I, I didn't watch the video. But one of the things I know that the Packers do, and I remember this when Matt LaFleur first came over, they had talked about this, and I got excited because I remember thinking Devontae's perfect for this. They've got um, what I believe are called option routes, which is basically Devontae Adams runs in a straight line. He feels which way kind of the leverage is leaning or whatever, and he gets the option of choosing whether he goes left or right or whatever. Aaron Rodgers just kind of patiently waits for Devontae to make his decision. As soon as he comes out of his break, boom, there's the ball. Similar kind of philosophy, but this is more you run a route, and I have talked about this before. I just didn't know what the terminology was. You run a route, let's say it's a post route, depending on the, where everybody is. You, you're reading where the linebackers are, probably more specifically where the safeties are. You angle differently based on that. And we've seen Aaron Rodgers get really upset a lot of the times when he throws a ball, it looks like a bad ball, and he's mad about where the wide receiver is. More than likely, that's what it is. You ran that too flat, right? There, there's a guy sitting right there. You needed to run up the field more. That's where the route takes you. And so that's why you need really intelligent wide receiver, blah, 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 blah. Point is, with Alan Lazard back, and the fact that Aaron Rodgers and Alan Lazard are on the same page, and that's kind of a telltale. I have no idea. I'm sure guys with, with real good coaching experience will tell you what he should have ran, whether it's capped or uncapped. All I know is there seems to be a great rapport with Alan Lazard and Aaron Rodgers, and a lot of that has to do with Alan Lazard being in the right spot at the right time. He's running the right routes at the right time, so if they're going to run, basically if we need intelligent wide receivers to be in the right spots to attack this defense that is susceptible to this kind of thing, in other words, if you're playing back there, we're going to run up here and then we'll be open. If you're going to play up here, we'll be back there and then we're going to be open. And that's another way to beat this team. Having another reliable wide receiver like Alan Lazard makes it more likely we can execute that and take apart this defense. So, hard to say. I, I As um, he was explaining this to me, i got to be completely honest. I would be surprised if Matt LaFleur flips a switch and says, we're going to run power in this game. Now, again... I tend to think every team runs a little bit of everything, so it's not a matter of being incapable. What I, what I do know about the identity of, of Matt LaFleur so far is that he doesn't like to get away from what it is they do well. He likes to run what they've been practicing. That's the reason why you don't see a lot of guys that are not super familiar with things, because we've been working real me and and the boys have been working real hard on perfecting this thing. We need to be able to run this thing. Um... So I would be a little bit worried about that. And as much as it seems like this is going to be a really run-heavy game on both sides of the ball, if those are the two ways you attack the 49ers, especially if we get Alan Lazard back, I'm worried about Matt LaFleur running the ball, trying to run a lot of zone and it not working very well. If that's the case, I wonder if they turn to throwing the ball and actually do find a decent amount of success there. Either way is fine. If you just you just got to find success somewhere, and and the good thing is there's a path to success to beating the 49ers in both running the ball and passing the ball, and in both instances, especially if Lazard and Aaron Jones are back, the Packers have the ability to do it. 
No question a guy like Corey Lindsley, a guy like Elton Jenkins, those guys can run power. There's very little doubt in my mind. Elton Jenkins is a fairly athletic guy, so if you need to pull him to you know run through and be a lead blocker, I think he would be kind of ideal for that kind of a situation. This is unbelievable. It's 4.55. I, I, I gotta take a break. I, I, I just... Man, this is br- I haven't even got started yet, dude. It's a weird catch-22 where I want to be able to quit my job so I can do this more in-depth and not have to keep cutting this off, but at the same time, I haven't had time to put ads on my show, <laughs> so it's really hard to quit when you tell advertisers, no thanks, I don't need your money today. Also, they're going to be mad at me if I don't talk about their stuff. <sighs> I don't have time today. I am... It's, it's, I'm ser- it's really blowing my mind. Like, it sounds like I'm just disorganized, and I guess I am. I've never had to do this before. I've never seen time move this quickly before. It's, it's really freaking me out. I do need to start setting alarms on my phone. I gotta start setting it's ad time dummy alarms. That's really messing with my flow. Okay, no ads today. It's ridiculous. I mean, you started talking about the 49ers. All right, let's look at it. So, man, I don't even know where to start. There's so many people not playing. So the official injury report for the 49ers says that uh, running back Tevin Coleman is out. But Jarek McKinnon is still a very good running back, assuming he's not hurt. Having a real hard time keeping up with all this. Uh, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, linebacker, is out. Doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but they're starting to get kind of thin there, especially after they got rid of uh, Quan Alexander. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously, is out. It is worth noting, uh, as much as people see quarterback is out, so they're doomed, not that big of a drop-off from Jimmy Garoppolo to Nick Mullins. Jimmy Garoppolo is ranked 27th out of 36 quarterbacks. He's been playing terrible this year. Nick Mullins, 32nd out of 36 quarterbacks. So one of the worst, dropping down to really one of the worst. Um, wide receiver Richie James is listed as questionable, which is a really big deal because they are unbelievably thin at wide receiver right now. Uh, it was just reported that Brandon Ayuk, please stop talking to me, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and Trent Williams were placed on reserve COVID-19 list. So they're out because of COVID. So Ayuk is officially off this game, which is massive because not only are they thin at wide receiver, but Ayuk is actually a pretty solid, he's been decent this year. And you're looking at a sim- similar situation to what the Packers have had, where you got Devontae and then, you know, MVS and EQ or something, where it's just, it's bad. And so you had uh, Trent Taylor and um, Richie James are the other two wide receivers. And so again, if, if you have a situation where Richie James doesn't play, and even if he does, he's hurt with an ankle injury, so that's not great. Obviously, George Kittle is out, so there goes another receiving weapon. Uh, Debo Samuel, we already know, is out. That's their primary wide receiver. I mean, right now, they're they're just unbelievably thin. They're going to have to, and maybe they already have brought up some people from... Uh, from the practice squad. So this is a backup quarterback throwing to practice squad wide receivers. And um, I guess Ross Dwelly at tight end? I don't even know. Um, Trent Williams, by the way, not a minor thing. That's their starting left tackle. So starting in his place will be Justin Skewell. Um, last year, he was ranked 55th out of 81 tackles. This year, his grade has gone down remarkably. Now, interestingly enough, and I don't know, obviously we're talking about a pretty limited scope here, but um, this is a guy with an 82 overall pass blocking grade and a 46 run blocking grade, which doesn't speak super highly of our ability to get to the quarterback, which is going to be important, obviously. But for a team that is going to come out and say, we need to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and you've got one of the worst run blocking left tackles in football, that's problematic. 
In fact, with the exception of Mike McGlinchey and probably uh, Lakin Tomlinson, there's not a whole lot of guys along this offensive line that are going to be able to run block. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm telling the defense, I don't, listen, I've been giving the defense some outs for that Vikings game. I've, I've already stated that, you know, 20, what was it, 26, 28 points? What did they score? I don't know. I don't know isn't all that horrible considering the Vikings offense is actually really quite good. We're talking about, again, best wide receiver duo in football. Kirk Cousins is massively underrated. I think he's ranked eighth via PFF of all wide receivers. In a league that has Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, etc., etc., for Kirk Cousins to be eighth, it's basically list every elite quarterback you can, and then, oh, Kirk Cousins is next waiting at the door. Oh, and by the way, one of the better running backs in all of football. This is, look, it's still a team that's going to run the ball, and I think they're going to be able to run the ball quite well. This is not the same deal. And um, I, I do genuinely expect the defense to play quite a bit better. I think that the genuine question here is, is the offense going to be able to get back on track? And it's it's genuinely going to be a good test. I shouldn't say it's a good test because it's not. I mean, it shouldn't be. But if Aaron Jones and Alan Lazard come back, they need to be able to get their, their groove back. Because we've seen two out of the last three games where things have just stalled out. And we gave them the excuse, you know, right? I'll even throw in wind, right? Wind, you don't have enough weapons. Uh, Aaron Jones being out means you're limited in terms of what you can do, obviously, right? As far as not just running the ball, but having a receiving weapon at running back. We don't have Jamal, so you don't have that that dual threat running back kind of situation. But, I mean, this is a a get-right game if there ever was one. This is a team that has embarrassed you twice. Your own fan base doesn't really trust that you're going to be able to win this game despite the fact that they're completely decimated. I don't think anybody really expects you to just walk all over this team, but they're ripe for the picking. And listen, even if you beat them 30-17, to 17, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to give you credit because they're garbage. But guess what? It's important that you do it. And you know what? I'll know. I'll know that it means something because I'll know that this defense is built to stop you. And if you can come out with your boys... And again, I don't know if Alan Lazard's playing. I don't know if Aaron Jones is playing. And if he's, if they're not, I'm worried. I mean, just on a ba- for the same reason the 49ers should be worried. What in the world are we going to do? I mentioned Jason Verrett's a very good corner. So I mean, if 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 our goal is let's just feed Devontae all day, it's just it's not going to work. Again, keep in mind if they run power, I actually think we've got. Not only do I think um, Tyler Irvin could be a good fit for that, I think Dexter because again, every time I see him run the ball, the guy's got some juice, man. And if he can use that juice instead of running laterally, but just running straight through a hole, I think it might be able to work. I don't know. But let, let me just say that. If Aaron Jones and Alan Lazard do play, this is a prime opportunity to not just beat the 49ers, but embarrass them. And I think it's important that you do that. I'll, I, I won't get greedy. I'll take a win. But I think the, the opportunity here to manipulate this defense because you do have the personnel, and they, I mean, they've got, you know, Jaquiski Tart is, is out. The safeties are not that good to begin with, but with Tart being out, that's that's even worse. Uh, Warner's a very good linebacker, but the guys on the sides of him, not all that good. If you can account for Warner and even manipulate him, because again, he's really good against the run in outside zone, but he's also solid in coverage. He can't do both at once. And if this offense is really clicking, just getting him to freeze for a half a second should be able to give you just enough space to get a pass off behind him. We saw, I don't remember what game that was. It was a game recently where we saw how the offense, when it was really clicking, get it didn't completely shut down guys, but it just got them to freeze just long enough so we can get our, our guys out there blocking to get our guys just behind them. So we'll see what happens. I mean, again, if Lazard and Aaron Jones don't go, then it's just going to be a, 
I don't know, like like kids fighting with those big rock'em sock'em gloves or whatever. You know those big giant gloves? They don't really do any damage, but they just swing at each other. It's going to be ugly. It's, it's the only way to put it. So, again, generally I like my previews to be much more clean, but we're, we're looking at two teams that I don't know what they are. I don't know anything about this version of the Packers offense. I don't know anything about this version of the 49ers team. That's why even looking at you know the 24 points, the 30 points, all these are two unique teams that we've never seen before playing against each other. And in that sense, it really comes down to Matt LaFleur versus Kyle Shanahan, and that's kind of scary. Nothing against Matt LaFleur, but I mean, let's just, let's face it, Kyle Shanahan is Matt LaFleur if Matt LaFleur had a lot more experience doing this, and a lot more time with his guys to coach them up as far as his his scheme, his expectations. Same with, with Sala. Sala versus Pettin or whatever. It's not really how that works, but you get what I'm saying. It comes down to coaching. So, it'll be an interesting game. I think it's going to be a massive, massive decision. I think if Aaron Jones and Alan Lazard are playing, I'm going to feel a lot better about this. And I think the the report was Lazard did fly out with the team. That's obviously a very good sign that they at least think he can. But we'll see how it goes. Again, I'm 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 a coin toss if Lazard and Jones don't go. If they do, I think we win this game. But I got to leave it at that. Somehow another 15 minutes just went by. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.